0: You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com.
1: Hello, welcome. It's top 25, under 25, all inclusive. we got the podcast. It's Patrick Bexel, it's Anton Rasgård, and uh, Anton, who are you supporting at the moment? Uh, well, probably Team Sweden. You're <laughs> just saying that because so, they're 3-0 yeah. up, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I, I would I
0: would tend to uh, you know uh, change my uh, change my allegiance in case Italy was doing really well, but now we see that Sweden still is uh, a team to be uh, to be reckoned with in uh, in women's uh, women's soccer.
1: Indeed, um, we, we had a little bit of a. I mean, it's halftime. We're recording this this morning. You're going to get it in about an hour, um, and. Um we were just discussing the comments of the long shots and we have a little bit of different approach here than maybe uh, some of the uh, comments. uh, And it's in regards to Shekai, obviously, because with the pedigree that he comes from, from um, his big brother, I mean, we don't really know a lot about Shekai um, because he, I think there was one ranking magazine that had him at was it McKean's or was it elite prospects that have him along among the honorable mentions more or less mm, um, yeah. and i think that in in that regard you look at at it and you hope that montreal knows something that you don't when you rank him because yeah right now we, d- we don't know anything about him in, in if you do Fair play to you, but not 500 votes because we no, are 500 no. the vote this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was so, going to say, like, I mean, Alexander Romanov, for example, when he was selected early in the second round by the Canadians, there was a case of nobody knowing about him either. He was hard, hardly ranked by anyone, but he also came from the Russian junior league, and and it was yeah. It I think was, McKenzie had him at 80 at least, so you know. Yeah, but the case is just that. He wasn't nearby, so that could be just a case of being lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Um, Florian Schecke has played in, in the OHL, so every scout in the NHL would probably have him in the loop, basically, because they watch the Canadian ho- hockey junior hockey leagues. Well, basically every game, someone is assigned to to, you know, pick up on basically every player who's draft eligible. Um, the question is just. Obviously, if Florian Czechi wasn't named Florian Czechi, would he have been uh, drafted? Would he have been ranked uh, by many of the community vote? Would he have been ranked as highly as he as he would? I think that many automatically attribute the F- Arbor's success story onto his brother, but we have to remember that even though they are brothers, they are still two different people. Um, and I, for once, I had Arbor at oh, no, sorry not Arbor, I had Florian at. Was it forty eighth? I think. I think I had it 49ers, I had him forty eight. Yeah, and and the fact is, my reasoning behind that is just that I think that Arbor's success story is largely due to the fact that he had to struggle, uh, that he wasn't drafted, the fact that he had to, uh, well, really embrace the possibility when he got got it because he could see well, the normal life that he would have to go through if he didn't embrace this possibility through a tryout with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Florian obviously being drafted now, he won't have the same... um, Well, it it won't be the automatic all or nothing uh, style for him. He will be... Well, we can see like he was drafted around the same position as Jack Smith, for example. Um, Jack Smith, three years... Post draft, there is no one expecting anything from him anymore. Uh, as we saw when he was ranked 52nd here, um, there could be a diamond in the rough in Florian guy for sure, but he hasn't shown it uh, at the OHL level yet. Uh, maybe due to tutelage and and having Adam Nicholas and and these skills guys being present, maybe he can become a Michael Pizzetta success story, going from you know being ranked low and few believing in, in him, but it will be thanks to himself and, and the environment around him going forward. It won't be just because his
1: name happens to be Xhaka. Indeed, and we, we spoke a little bit also about other, you know, does McDavid have a brother? Why isn't he in the NHL? Yep. Um, I, I follow cycling a lot. Um, mm-hmm. One of the teams, I think, was Cannondale that brought in... Um, Peter Sagan's brother, and I've actually lost his name right now, but Peter Shagans brother, to make Peter feel comfortable. I don't think Arba Chekai needs Florian to feel comfortable in the Montreal organization, not at all. But mm. it doesn't mean that it's a success story. Um, I, I, I I love to be proven wrong. Yeah, me too, uh, me too. I, I think we all are um, in regards. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Kostenko, Shekai, or, or Ericsson that proves me wrong. I'm mm. just happy to be proven wrong when I yeah. rank someone low. I'm I'm not as happy being proved wrong when I rank someone high and and it turns out to be a flop at the end. Um, yeah. No, but, but we, we can just look at the Henrik Lundqvist, the King
0: of New York, for yeah. example. His twin brother, obviously, like they were in the womb at the same time, and they had they both had successful um, hockey careers. But one of them ended up being the captain for Frolunda for many years in the SHL. Uh, very loved there. He just finished off finished his career. Uh, but he didn't quite make an impact at the NHL level while his brother just certainly did. Yeah, exactly. He he is probably the greatest goaltender in, in New York Rangers franchise history. So there is no automatic way to success just because you have the pedigree of being a brother. And yeah, um otherwise, well, we're gonna come to someone in 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 a minute as well uh, called red pitlick who has a brother in the nhl uh we talked about luke middlestadt the last last time around um we don't know how their careers are gonna you know pan are gonna t- pan out but at this point obviously it's good to have someone that you can talk to and who's been through the same journey and and uh, can can guide you through it but it's yeah it's not something that automatically qualifies you for for a higher ranking in my book
1: no exactly we we but but this is a individual ranking we yes. all going to get some wrong uh, oh, i sure. certainly have someone to talk about in in not this episode but the next episode that where i will be called out on i know that i would give my reasoning for it i will probably have to give the reasoning for it in in the comments as well but uh, but it's 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 something i stand up for in in that regard um mm. uh, but looking at the projects here we're going to start by looking at uh, quinton miller goal- yeah. goalie for uh, quebec ramparts in uh, the queue um i was actually looking through uh, the stats just this morning in order to prepare um because i actually thought the sweden italy game was going to be at 7 a.m uh, oh, swedish time uh, so i went and woke up for that um but uh, 20 games two goals against more or less uh, 0.91 saving percentage, 14 wins, um, mm. 4 losses, and uh, no playoff appearance. But And and this is a Swedish guy speaking right now. Just mm. remember that. So my perception is that the Q is a high-scoring league. So anytime you get a goalie with a two-goal two against average and a 91 save percentage, I should be more impressed than I probably was in my ranking.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Quentin Miller is someone who I can easily see myself having ranked a little bit too low. Um, he's a local boy as well from Montreal. Um, it's always fun to see these guys getting drafted by the home team, um, and yeah, he had a he had a really good uh, first season in the queue. and. The only question during the draft was just since the Canadians had already selected Jacob Fowler, um, whether you wanted to go the goalie route again. But considering they ended up selecting three goalies, uh, they could have done a lot worse. I, I feel like all of these three goalies were going to get to Jacob Fowler um, yeah, well later up the ranking. But I feel like they all seem talented and I feel like the Canadians seem to have done their due diligence on on them um so it's an influx of talent at a position where it was sort of needed uh frederick dishov's signing rights expired Kaden primo is getting up there towards the well towards being 25 already and jakob dobes is already in well he is in laval now um but you need these young guys to to fill out the um the the depth chart basically and and uh, just see how they can develop and for for my money quentin miller looks like um looks like a solid player already so um yeah i wouldn't surprise if he continues to have a save percentage above nine 900 and and does well in the upcoming one or two years um i would be surprised if he wasn't awarded with one of the uh, one of the six goaltender spots in the uh, 50-man roster.
1: Indeed, and I, I, I'm, I'm really... Um, I knew nothing, uh, and, and we spoke about that in regards to, to uh, different uh, rankings and, and how we were going to rank people. And in a way, uh, first and foremost, he's ranked number 40 in, in, in the list. Uh, he's yeah. at that same plateau as, uh, what should we say, um, Eriksson, Mittelstadt, uh, Smilanic miller and uh, probably the next two guys that we're going to talk about here as well yeah Uh, from 38 to 41 um, there is a little bit of plateau there it continues up even further but i think the the next break is 35.9 and and then it's 42 upwards so it's like you have that plateau They, they could have swapped around a little bit um and and yeah, goalies are voodoo as well. You never know how they're going to go. You you saw that with Dishao coming out and having arguably one of the best seasons a hockey Al-Sanskan goalie has had in the last couple of, what, five yeah. years, ten years? Yeah. And and he couldn't transfer it up or didn't get the opportunity to transfer it up. He didn't get the confidence to to, to showcase himself in Florida uh, and, and his rights expired. Um, but yeah, it's it's... It's a pick that is interesting, local guy, as you say, always fun to see, probably cheered for, for Montreal uh, his yeah. whole life, and, and getting that opportunity to pull the jersey on and something uh, the rest of us will have to pay money for. Yeah, for sure.
0: No, no I, I like also what Elite Prospects wrote in their draft guide about him, uh, that you can tell that he's a goaltender that agonizes over minute positioning details and is constantly finding ways to be more efficient. Um, so he's a guy who can take coaching directions and, and improve his game. And that is what Montreal has been looking for in the last few drafts. They want guys who are talented, but also hard workers and willing to learn and, and adapt their game for, for the benefit of the team. And yeah, that sounds like, uh, you know, a good, good place to start for Quentin Miller.
1: Indeed. Um, you mentioned him already today, uh, Red Pitlick coming in at 39, um, uh... More or less at 39 in, in, in the rankings, uh, yeah. combined rank average ranking as well. Um, and obviously there's a plethora of, of guesses when it comes to Red Pit. Like, do you rank him in regards to his performance on the NCAA level? Uh, do you rank him at potential impact? Do you rank him because he has a brother? And that influences you a little bit because if the brother succeeds, you think that he's going to succeed, which is also true. Um, so, so we have the stall brothers, right? Um so so you got that. Um I'm not sure. I'm looking at his stats again and, and uh 25 games, 40, uh, 40 40 games, 25 points. Um strong, but do I see someone that takes charge of the game and controls it? Nah, not that.
0: But, yeah. No, no, it just feels like Red Pit Lake has been been here forever. And he's mm. still only 22, so he's going to be uh, eligible for a couple of more seasons since he's only played two years in the NCAA as well. Mm. I mean, he, he's done well at at uh, the University of Minnesota for the Golden Gophers. So uh, considering that, well, he was two years in the USHL post his draft, mm. um, and he's a quick skater, uh, which is always you know good, the tenacity of, of being a you know, someone who can who can rush up and down um, and basically be inserted in, well, anywhere in the lineup that, that you need complementary, well, complementary scoring and skating. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he can actually muster up a, a, an entry-level contract at the end of his, at least, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the Brett Stapley opportunity um, if the ECHL team in, in Trois Rivieres is still alive by the time he is, um, he is a college senior, uh, you know, getting an an AHL deal um, with the benefit of playing heavy minutes in the ECHL to just see what we have there, um, because we have seen with a couple of the guys who have signed ECHL well, AHL deals in, in Laval who have come from college like Lucas Condada and, and similar guys who have done really well. Um, but they needed those four years of development in, in the, um, college ranks before they were actually ready to take the step up. Um, Pitlick since he, since he's such a good skater, that will always be his, his major asset. And then, uh, if he can build on, uh, you know the, the scoring depth that he has right now, like, and and become a point per game player, for example, in in the last two years of NCAA eligibility. Maybe I will be I will rue my day that I had in forty third this year. Um, it's just a matter of a lot of players who
1: are quite good yeah, when it comes and, to yeah. And and as someone remembered, we had I I reread some of the articles. Because we're obviously starting to write articles uh, for for the top twenty five, and some one of them mentioned it was a good draft class because we got seven of the uh, draftees into the top twenty five, and I was thinking the depth of our prospect pool at that point must have been atrocious. Yeah. yeah. Uh So so you know it speaks to it that that well if you keep your spot here or if you climb one spot or, or two spots. You have improved quite a bit because there are so many others coming in uh, that are top prospects. Robbie Reinbacher this year as an example. Yeah. He will automatically get a, a top 25 spot on the list. Yeah. Uh, Just by so, being a fifth overall pick. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And and playing in a pro league you get a high
0: level, etc. etc. Yeah. And but, acquiring an Alex Newhook, for example, that is also yeah. like
1: a former first first round pick. That's mm-hmm. also like automatically they're going to be ranked higher. You you're dissing uh, Elias Anderson because he's also a first-round pick.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a little bit older, <laughs> but yeah, I haven't uh, had I, the I, same
1: I, success in, in yeah. NHL either. No,
0: I w- I would love Elias. We're gonna get to him later, obviously, but I'm, I would love Elias to have a successful uh, year in Montreal and, and actually proving be- because he is a talented guy for sure, yeah.
1: and he's a lovely guy as well. Um,
0: yeah. And I have, people, I have have in- always, people have always said that he was overdrafted at seventh overall, but that does not mean that he wasn't a first-round consensus. He was, was supposed to
1: go twelfth or fifteenth in most rankings. If I exactly. Remember. And that is right around where Alex Newark was selected, yeah. for example. Um, then we have uh, someone I've actually watched quite a bit this year, and it's uh, Miguel Pruny. Um yeah. I'd be honest, I wasn't as impressed with him as maybe others were that he I, I was impressed that he dared to go to Europe first yeah, and foremost. And playing Slovakia. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed with that choice. Um I watched a few games of him. Um obviously very, very skilled, got a lot of points on the power play. Um, but also falling into that slapshot trap, being Canadian in a European league, you gotta fight. Mm. And I didn't really like that. Uh, which is why I have him quite low at 44. uh but but yeah do I see a future for another small defender in this organization yes w- would it yeah for, for someone that we haven't mentioned yet <laughs> but but uh I mean do I see someone to compliment him no mm. I don't uh do I think his value in the market is a lot if, if we're gonna trade him no so so, for me, that meant, and and especially from what I saw in his game, maybe not participating as much five on five uh especially not in the defensive zone, obviously that's not what you're going to have him, but he has to be able to play there anyway um, so I have him quite low, I wasn't the lowest, but I was uh, quite low, I was lowest in the staff rankings, and mm-hmm. uh yeah that that's that was my choice of thinking of uh Trunyi. um. It would be actually, very interesting to follow him this year, though. Yeah, he uh, actually
0: retained. No, I was just going to say he actually
1: retained a spot from last year. He was 38 mm-hmm. last year as well, and uh, uh, it would be very interesting to see what can he do, what does he bring with him from Europe into the organization again, to see and 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 uh, make sure that that he gets that opportunity in Laval. Uh, which gonna kind of have a very crazy blue line, uh, very very interesting. And in in a way, I'm really sad I'm not having the opportunity to go to Laval and watch every other game because it's gonna be brilliant games there, lots of prospects. So if you have the opportunity, and no, I'm not sponsored by Laval Rocket, go there yeah. and and watch them because it's gonna be amazing. Uh, crowd sounds amazing as well when 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 you hear it on TV. So so don't shy away, give it the opportunity.
0: Uh, it's just it's just fa- f- fabulous to think that um, a Laval Rockets um, defensive uh, defensive lineup will be able to feature Matthias Norländer, uh, Miguel Tourigny and Logan Mayu at the same time. Uh, so if they want to, they can go with really high pace. Well, I mean, Logan Mayu is more of a, you know, bombastic shot kind of guy, but he can still skate really well as well. But just Norlinder and Tourigny, who are both known for their transition ability and their ability to you go from defense to offense and and provide us a basically a fourth attacker, um, it can be really fun to watch. At least I'm not saying that it will be defensively r- defensively reliable at all times, but I think that it's going to be fun though. It's going to be really fun and. Even if you weren't impressed with uh, Tourigny the entire year, just as you said, the fact that he actually went out of his way to try something else, go to Slovakia from you know the the just the comfortable life of, of you know staying uh, back home in Canada, uh, trying something else, and he still had 24 points in in 39 regular season games as a defenseman, as, as a five eight defenseman at that. So yeah, and, and
1: and he he earned the opportunity to play on that power play unit as well. So yeah. so fair play to him. Yeah. Um. In in some ways, you have to rank someone, and then you end up ranking them. It's, oh, it's, it's, uh, I was just gonna that. say,
0: like you know, speaking of bloodlines, uh, going back to the Shekai discussion and the Pitlick discussion, I'm really surprised that Montreal or any team didn't take a flyer on on uh, Miguel Tournier's little brother Jordan. Uh, he went undrafted. He was quite high ranked, if I don't remember, um, correctly well he was in the consensus ranking put together by Jared he was 98th overall and he wasn't drafted at all so a little bit surprising um but yeah especially considering the canadians have so many mm-hmm. picks but uh maybe there's just something lacking in this game that that we uh that that we don't know about presently or or he will just have a monster season and get drafted
1: next year yeah and and also going back to miguel tiliny it's like he's been to Europe that means he's and and he's performed quite well which means that if it doesn't pan out after this year in Laval he's gonna get the opportunity to go to Europe and play for for one of the bigger
0: leagues yeah play for regular for example
1: yeah or or, or I was thinking earning some good money in uh, in Switzerland
0: uh, for sure yeah
1: um, at 37 we have uh, Niklas Buddha um, yep. Laval rocket defender got a Maybe quite a big role this year in regards to to first example, Matthias Norlander, um, and and doing it well. Also, one of those guys I know nothing about, which obviously showcases in my ranking. He's uh, also a
0: former first round pick. Uh, I remember during the Bergevin era, uh, there was a lot of talk about Montreal trying to. They wanted him in the draft, according to rumors. Um, and uh, they couldn't trade up to get him. And then they wanted to trade for him with Chicago. Obviously, the interest remained there, um, even though Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons are no longer here. Because Kent Hughes made the trade for it. Was it Nate Schnarr who went the other way? I think it was.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, familiar, yeah. And f- for me, that's a pretty good trade. Um, getting some... No, it was Cam Hillis yeah so was better yeah someone who, who uh did also did really well at the junior level but had well difficulties establishing himself at the ahl level so the ability to get a former first round pick there uh he's still only has he turned 24 yet uh, uh is he no october october yeah so and a local guy at that from Chateauguay. Mm-hmm. um so that is also, if you play with Norlander and then you have Mayu and you have Tourigny and you have Nicolas Baudin, then you have four offensively gifted defensemen. Um, might want to even that out with some defense first guys, but yeah, it can be uh, it can be all, all out attack for Laval Rocket this season. I think that actually uh, Baudin will be in line. I mean, he will be quite high up the lineup if, yeah, um, this if year, they yeah. want yeah. yeah yeah exactly and and if they want to have someone who can just be the veteran presence on on a young defensive well you know the in, in young defensive lineup i think
1: bodan will be yeah quite highly uh, thought, uh, thought of in that regard and and obviously as you said the local guy getting the opportunity yeah. to 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 uh, showcase himself and and earn that roster spot uh, and which he obviously has Next, Jared Davidson. Uh, we should have a Jared uh, on here to talk about him. Um, yep. Next on the list. Um, I keep getting my uh, rankings very low here for, for some of them. Um, yeah, again. Seattle Thunderbirds, WHL. I know nothing about the league. This is what you guys are trying to rank. Uh, European leagues.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, because he... Has he been signed to Laval on a one-year deal, or how was it? Um, because the third of July he was, yes, one-year, one-way AHL contract for uh, Jared Davison. So he we will see if he ends up staying in Laval or if he will play for Trois Rivieres this season. Um, but yeah, he 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 has had a over lot a point of, per lot, game like, career. Yeah, and a lot of goals, 80 yeah. goals in the last two seasons and and two really successful playoff runs as well where he's been uh, above a point per game. So he's a late bloomer. He's already 21. But the fact is that if you look at, obviously he had the first two seasons sort of spoiled by, by COVID. Um, and the fact that when he's played two full seasons after that, he's been a machine for the Seattle Thunderbirds. So he's someone who I think can surprise a lot of people I think he was an intriguing pick when he was selected even though he was already 20 um I think that Jerry Davidson I think I had him 33rd um secondary scoring uh, you know someone who can provide offense is always welcome to Laval just look at Emil Heinemann for example the way that he started his career um I'm not saying the that percentage
1: Davidson... of 50 or something like that yeah
0: exactly well I'm not saying that Jared <laughs> Davidson will automatically be a Heineman but I think that he can surprise people and and do really well as a um, well as someone who can come be a complementary piece on the second power play for example if he gets the opportunity but we know that the competition is fierce in
1: Laval now with all these prospects coming in there and and also you would assume that Montreal Canadiens... Uh, have a little bit of say in who's going to play at what power play in order to prepare them for their path to the NHL as well. I I sure Um, hope so
0: that they that is what they're doing and Jean-Francois is is focusing on that because in the end the only focus should be to prepare uh, well prepare players for NHL duty. Um, So yeah Uh, developing players obviously I I think that Hul has done really well this year um, considering the circumstances with a lot of injuries and, in Montreal and having to let players go to to still squeeze into the playoffs and, and still being able to develop young guys. Um, that sounds promising for the future.
1: Uh, looking at the next la- name on the list is Bogdan Kunishukov, uh out of, um, was it Lada or was it, uh, no, Torpedo. Yeah. Uh, Nishinu Novograd. 64 games in the KHL, more or less the mm. full season, uh 10 games in the playoffs. He's performed well in the playoffs point-wise. Um he performed well in the KHL point-wise. Uh 25 points regular season, two goals, 23 assists. Um and then obviously um what was it uh, 10 games, uh, five assists in the playoffs. Mm. So so into the second round uh, with his team. Uh, and, and really, really, you know, KHL is not a bad league. <laughs> I, I still think it has fallen off a little bit because of the imports, imports not going there. Yeah. Um, obviously to, to, to unforeseen uh, circumstances. But on the, on the other hand, you have to respect players that play there. This is one of the top four. Especially leagues, young guys. Yeah. yeah, Which are rarely given the opportunity. This is yeah. one of the top four or five leagues in the world. Mm. He's there already he's proven it. Um, and and I understand that the translation factor from a good KHL player to an NHL player is not maybe as strong correlated as it is from a Liga player or or an, or an SHL player mm. uh, but but this is a very interesting pick. I like him more uh, from from some of the clips I've seen. Uh, one of those also good skaters. Mm. um um strong players and and earning that position on a KHL lineup very very interesting this is going to be one of the guys i follow closely this year and
0: you will get to follow him for quite some time because he recently signed a 3 year extension with Nizhny Novgorod so he will remain there until uh the 25-26 season
1: yeah, and Montreal keeps because of the non-existent KHL-NHL agreement. Um, Montreal will keep his rights for for as long as he keeps signing in a KHL contract. He will still Montreal will still keep his rights. Yeah, so so also very interesting. Um, someone to follow, uh, someone that you might rank higher uh, later. And and this is the since since I've been. I was one of the highest on the, on this list and and I took that into account young player playing KHL long playing proper not just being on the bench and playing 2 minutes. Yeah. I had properly. him one spot lower than you so
0: I agree. Yeah. Uh I th- I also think it's impressive the fact that he had 0 KHL games going into the season which means that if you were a coach maybe you would have tried to, you know, be a little bit cautious with him and getting him the odd minutes here and there but still you know pushing him back a little just to dip his feet in the water a little bit but once he was in the khl he remained there he didn't play a single game in the uh in the junior league at all uh until, until the playoffs, the playoffs that yeah. yeah so so he was just a mainstay for for the khl team in Novgorod for the entire season and yeah uh, as we said he was yeah he was 19 when the season started last year and the fact is that just being uh just being there and actually producing as well i mean we know that alexander romanov for example is a different kind of player mm-hmm. and he played for a really stacked cska team uh, but having 25 points as a defenseman in the khl as a 19 20 year old is quite the feat
1: yeah definitely so so uh, really really impressive um, I'm happy with that pick. Yeah. One of those sleeper picks because he's Russian we don't have a lot of info. Uh, we automatically tend to not know and why do they pick him etc cetera, etc cetera. but but this is a smart pick I think from 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 the Montreal Canadian scouting team.
0: Yeah and, and that is also as I said with Bromanov for example when a player who is hardly ranked within any, by anyone also in this case an overager it can be due to the fact that he's overlooked or or the fact that most analysts don't find him to be well worthy of, of an um, of a uh, selection but in this case i think it's more being yeah overager and a little bit overlooked because how how much do you actually scout russia in comparison to other leagues right now with the war ongoing and also yeah it's it's obviously what and we talked about that. And, yeah and exactly like that. we we talked about that with the top picks in yeah. this year's draft and and when it comes to later rounds um i'm guessing even less and that you have even more hesitancy whether they will actually come over because they aren't going to make those heavy dollars automatically anyway and
1: and also we mentioned this before in regards to overagers you have more data You have another year of data you can use in your prediction, put into your models, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's a smart pick, uh, especially in a draft where we really don't appreciate maybe the draft at the time um, of of it. Um, At number 34, Luke Tuck. He also feels like he's been there forever
0: now. I was going to say, yeah. definitely. <laughs> oh, speaking of bloodlines, again, Alex yeah. Tuck, Luke Tuck, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he was 31st last year. Uh, where was he the year before that? He was in spot number 14. Wow. All right. That's a in, cliffhanger. And, yes. And in 2020, he was 24th. So he has kind of bounced up and then down again. Um is he going into his senior year now? Or how was it? Is it junior year? Has he been his two junior years? Year, three? Right? Yeah, he's been... He has already played three years in the NCAA. So I'm yeah. guessing it's if he did not red shirt or if there was some sort of delay with the COVID season rules, uh, then he should be going into his senior year with Boston University. Um, he did play in the World Championships for, for Team US mm-hmm. and had a goal in that um, in one of the games so uh, not the world juniors because he's obviously, obviously aged out but in the real thing um,
1: as real as it can be with the uh, one league already still going on
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's the thing and and with Russia not competing obviously so yeah. yeah the world championships probably have a somewhat well the same or lower standard than the world juniors uh, but still he's what you want in a power forward in in terms of size uh the question is just has he developed more than just being a big guy i don't know um early on it looked interesting when he was selected he had done really well for the um, development program um hasn't really lit it up at the ncaa level but you know he's a 0.5 0.5 point per game player um, he fills a role and he's a, he's basically that he's a role player um, he's someone that can um, hold off uh, opposition and he can uh, you know demonstrate some grits and uh, I don't know what the future holds for him actually um, as we said he has kind of fallen out of favor since he was drafted just Considering the influx of talent in in Laval and in the prospect system,
1: yeah. And uh, again, we mentioned this over and over again. He's getting a degree at University of, of Boston yeah. or Boston University, and uh, he's going all four years. You would expect him to get a degree anyway, uh, and, and you know that sets you up quite well for for future endeavors of of life. Yeah,
0: uh, I'm sure he will get the chance in in uh, the AHL by someone is it's just yeah. a question whether it will be on an entry level contract with Montreal um i don't know uh, yeah. at this point you have to be quite restrictive with your with your roster spots when it comes to um when especially when it comes to defensemen and forwards yeah. um so yeah uh, we'll see what happens uh, i had him ranked 41st I, I i don't have a lot of faith left in Luke Tuck but it's I think he is a future AHLer, uh, but once again, he is at this point he he is twenty one years old. Uh, it's anyone's guess if he can become something more than that. Um, I
1: at, um, yeah. At thirty three, we have like yep. Gudon, uh, fantastic pronunciation there, Patrick. I'm not even sure it was half right. Um, gain Oh, uh-huh. yeah. uh He's. Uh, performing quite well in, in the OHL. Uh, have another year here with the OHL as well. and um, going to be interesting to follow. Send, is he a centre? Is he a wing? That's going to be the discussion, because if you look at Montreal's system, you you have quite a few centres. Mm. So could he be moved to the wing, especially considering his size? Yeah, he's already played left
0: wing as well. So yeah. he, he can play both positions, and that probably works in his favour as well.
1: For 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 this development program right now, yes, it would definitely work in his favor.
0: Hmm. I just think that Gendon, uh, the fact that when we drafted him last year, people spoke, people raved about his intelligence and his hockey IQ, and then he's been a point per game player in for the Owen Sound attack. I think that he's he plays a consistent game and uh, and as an intelligent game, and I think that he's. He's a player that coaches would really like to have in their lineup, mm. uh, so I could easily see him being signed for next year. Um, I had him quite high, I think, 30 well, seconds, so it's obviously right around where he was placed. Yeah. But the fact that Hadi, for example, was a high vote on him and had him at 23rd, that speaks volumes to me because Hadi obviously knows his uh, North American prospects.
1: Exactly. Um, you always look at Hadi and see where you end up somewhere around his then you're pretty good with it otherwise exactly. you're 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 going like okay i probably missed something it was the same yeah. when david san louis was here as well or david san yeah. um because if, if you were far off from david then you were like yeah okay i'm i'm, I'm done a blunder here yeah it's yeah. like nice here yeah. because it's it's four um, 0 yeah as well
0: yeah, that, that's nice also because we were both high on Konjushkov, for example, from the yeah. KHL, and Hadi had him also ranked 28th, which you know also works in believing in him a little bit more.
1: Indeed. Um, we're going to cut it off here. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast. We see the numbers. Really, really impressive. We absolutely love your support. Don't forget to leave a comment if there's something you think we uh, should bring up in another podcast. Or if we something you want to highlight, and uh, that brings to the discussion, uh, comment section has been fantastic in the uh, first couple of articles that has been published. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, I know uh, Pogo uh, is working on all the French translations. He probably didn't realize what he was uh, getting into. He or she, I don't actually know if it's a he or she. So, uh, but Pogo probably didn't realize uh, what what uh, was about to happen. So we'll see when the French translations of the article comes, especially these long ones um, with, with a lot of players in them. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with The Near Mists.